Rwando podcast is an exploration of the unconscious and the game of life. Be sure to visit Rwando.com to get a preview chapter of my upcoming book, Infinite Play, and free access to my content library. Enjoy the show. So last week I shared why I stopped using the word vulnerability. And uh, in that episode, I spoke a lot about truth and the importance of telling truth, not for some moral implications, but what it actually does for your own psychology and your mastery of reality, your confidence, your self-esteem, your feeling of agency, all that good stuff. As I was putting it up on the internet, I was searching for different tags to stick in there, you know, and one of the search terms that popped up, I wouldn't have ever thought that people would even search, was this phrase, how to get good at telling the truth. I definitely wouldn't have thought that. Like To me, it's kind of just a decision, right? Maybe some people need to be convinced of why they should tell the truth, but the idea of like people not knowing how to tell the truth or be good at telling the truth, that was kind of bizarre for me. But then I thought about it some more, and I thought about people I know and thought about times in my own life that I've maybe either outright lied when I didn't mean to, uh, or lied, you know, and did mean to, but then felt shitty about it. Or uh, more commonly, the, these little white lies, these little mistruths that we speak sometimes, like exaggerating or uh, changing the figures on something or not exactly sharing or being forthcoming with something that, say, someone we're close to would care about, which maybe is not outright lying, but it still comes down to the same type of truth telling that we're speaking about, right? Like if you're clouding something that's true, or you're hiding something that's true, it's typically your shame that's doing that. Of course, that has negative implications on your psychology. So I was thinking about that, and uh, and I realized, yeah, I mean, this is something that perhaps is hard for a lot of people. Obviously, a lot of people are searching for this, and uh, it certainly ties in with what I've been speaking about a lot on the podcast, which is the practical application of Nietzsche nobility. My interpretation of Nietzsche nobility is the mindset, or the per- perception, or the perspective, rather, that you have the greatest influence over your reality, your subjective experience. Not other people, not what other people say about you or think or what the collective deems is good or bad, but actually what you decide is right for yourself. That's essentially what the master archetype is. So in this episode, I'm going to speak about how to get really good at telling the truth, because truth-telling is a skill. And I don't really care so much about the moral implications. We're not telling the truth to be good little boys and girls. But learning how to be good at the skill of telling the truth for the sake of increasing the fidelity of your reality, of signaling to your own subconscious that you are the person, you are the master of your experience, essentially. That's the whole point of all of this. And the better and better that you can get at the skill of truth telling, the more you can assert your influence on reality. And by that, I mean your subjective experience, your emotions your sense of emotional security, your uh, assumption of agency, and how much you actually get affected by other people and circumstances. So there's two sticking points where most of us get diverted from the truth. Uh, One is fear, and the other is self-awareness. So we'll speak about this uh, second piece first, self-awareness. Because most of us, if you think about a time that you either outright lied or misspoke or somehow clouded the truth, chances are you didn't mean to. Uh, maybe right afterwards, you're like, oh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Or or maybe you're like, man, why do I keep exaggerating the numbers in my stories? And it's kind of a natural thing to do, right? Uh, I do this myself sometimes. But if you think about any time that you clouded the truth, it probably kind of just happened. And the way that most of us cloud the truth when we do lie or deceive others, it actually starts with self-deception 
And this actually goes down to uh, evolutionary biology. Uh, Robert Trivers, who I hope to have on the podcast uh, at some point this year, uh, has his uh, theory of self-deception on how various animals, including humans, deceive themselves as an evolutionary behavior in order to get better and better at deceiving others, which is, of course, uh, useful for survival in situations specifically where the being is not in control of his environment, which is critical for us in our psychology because we want to reaffirm to ourselves that we do have control over our environment. And if you think about times in the, in the past that you've lied, chances are you did it uh, to get out of some sort of trouble, probably with an authority figure, especially if you were a child and you know, you were afraid of your parents' wrath or a teacher's uh, judgment or the collective, your peers uh, making fun of you or, or uh, you know, in some way policing you and uh, making you feel bad in some way. You might have lied just to get out of that trouble. It's kind of an irrational behavior. So obviously, the solution to this self-deception is self-awareness. However, self-awareness is a lot easier said than done. I mean, to be brutally honest with yourself, and what we're speaking about specifically is being brutally honest with yourself, firstly, about what you actually perceive, right? Most of us have a hard time seeing what we perceive because we have all these judgments on top. These can be positive judgments, these can be negative judgments. In order to really see, to really perceive, we have to view things neutrally, which means accepting things as they are. And I actually had an experience with this recently because um, this friend of mine, I overall like him very much, but he has some behaviors that get on my nerves and annoy me. And throughout a lot of our friendship, I've not wanted to think negatively about a friend, a person I spend time with and overall like. So I've kind of like, I've kind of lied to myself of like, oh, this doesn't really bother me. Or, you know, if another person would mention this, certain things about him, I'd kind of defend him because, you know, I was deceiving myself. I was trying to uh, reinforce to myself that I actually didn't think this way or perceive these things. But then I started noticing over time, I was getting really irritated with him. I was getting like these extra negative feelings. I'm like, should I call him out on this thing? That would be truth telling because I was obviously thinking about nobility here. But that seemed like overly hostile. You know, these are things that they're just traits about him. And, you know, it didn't seem like the right, the right thing to do. So I thought about this more. And I realized I was doing this thing that I think a lot of people do in the name of trying to be a nice person, which was kind of clouding my mind and clouding my perceptions in order to be inclusive, right? Like I didn't want to have these negative judgmental thoughts. So I lowered the fidelity of my reality. And the result was I felt kind of out of control and like extra irritated around it in a way that seemed out of proportion with the situations. And I let myself actually think all the judgments of him that I kind of suppressed because I didn't want to have negative thoughts. I wanted to be a nice person. And I, I listed all these things like, he is this, he is that. I let myself feel those feelings and admit to myself what I actually judged about him. And then I realized when I was thinking about all these things, all these judgments, they were all blanket statements that weren't specific, right? They were all is statements. He is blank, right? And uh, if you caught my Prometheus Rising episode, I spoke about this extensively, the importance of thinking in what's called English prime, and also writing in English prime. If you're journaling, if you ever journal to uh, introspect and learn about yourself or figure things out, it's really important to use E prime and not regular English. And what, what essentially what E prime is, is English without the verb to be. Now, the reason why to use English prime is that the verb to be allows you to make absolute statements that are actually vague. Like they don't say anything specific. Whereas if you practice thinking and writing without the verb to be, it forces you to be very clear about your subject, action, verb, and object. Now, 
I know it sounds like like boring, uh, you know, nerdy uh, English class, but what this really is is it forces you to be specific about what you're saying because very few things are absolutely true in every context, right? That's the thing that gets lost when you make I am, you are, he is statements, she is statements. They don't allow for context and they remove nuance. And if you look at a lot of the back and forth arguments between pundits on the internet, very often they're overusing the to be statement. So they're both yelling vague things at each other that can't be refuted because they're so vague that you can't like specifically uh, say, say something one way or another. Anyway, the importance for your own uh, mindset and emotional health and your own nobility is by removing to be and thinking and speaking in English prime, you force yourself to get absolutely true with your perception. So in this case, I looked at all these uh, judgments I had of this friend of mine, and I realized they were violating English prime and they were vague blanket statements that even though they were vague, they were kind of getting me worked up. And they're also an unfair perception of reality. Actually, they're a judgment, not a perception. So I tried to switch them into perceptive statements of removing the verb to be. So essentially, one of the ones I came up with was I, which is the subject, get annoyed when I pretend to be interested in things that are not interesting to me when such and such talks, right? And I had a, a couple other things, right? And it even went deeper. It's like, I'm pretending to be interested because I want to be seen as a nice person and not an asshole, right? So I went through all of this stuff, right? I just was thinking about it, you know, just popping these ideas off these perceptions. And I realized every single time I was choosing to be a way that I didn't actually feel like being, and it really didn't have that much to do with him, right? Like I could just not engage with that conversation. I could leave. I could talk about something else. If I felt like I didn't have control or he, you know, he kept on talking, I could be like, Hey, I don't feel like talking about this, right? Like once I became very real about the actual perceptions of what was actually going on, I immediately stopped feeling annoyed with him because I realized this whole time I had control over this experience that I assumed I didn't have control with, right? Like I was blaming him because of this assumption that somehow he was imposing his will on my reality. And of course he wasn't actually, right? He was just doing what he felt like doing. I wasn't doing what I felt like doing, so I was the one who felt shitty. Allowing myself to get real with my actual perceptions returned the control to me and that removed my resentment. You know, like uh, if you Google Nietzsche nobility, one of the terms that always comes up is resentment. It's the French word, but it's the root of the word resentment. This idea of resentment that, uh, you know, Nietzsche was speaking more on a sociological level, like the slave class or the underclass has this resentment of the overclass. In our individual lives, this resentment or resentment comes from a similar assumption that we don't have control, right? Like if you're a literal slave, it's understandable for you to resent the master because you don't have control over your reality. For most of us, in most social situations, we do have control. We just have this assumption that some other person is controlling our reality, which of course makes us feel shitty, makes us blame other people, which causes this negative spiral of assuming we don't have control over ourselves or our experience. Whereas when you reclaim this agency, when you return to control, you get to see what actually is or the closest thing to objective reality and really what, what matters is where you get to see where you actually have choice. And the coolest thing is that when you apply this level of self-awareness, it kind of takes away a lot of the fear, which is the second part that we're going to speak about briefly. When you can really perceive things the way they are, a lot of your unconscious kind of sorts things out, whether it's like your feelings switching from feeling not good to feeling pretty good or feeling pessimistic to optimistic 
or feeling blocked to feeling creative again. Like sometimes all you need is to just see things the way they are. And um, one of my favorite books on intuition, The Inner Game of Tennis by Timothy Galway, he basically speaks about this as the process of learning skills better, right? You stop your judgments, you stop uh, forcing yourself to swing your racket a certain way, metaphorically or literally. You see exactly what's actually going on. And just by doing that, your unconscious kind of naturally finds the perfect stroke, right? And this comes down to the second piece, which is the piece that most people will probably think about first when you think about, well, why do people lie or not tell the truth, which is fear, right? That's the obvious one, right? Like all of us can think anytime we consciously lied or chose to lie, we were afraid of some consequence. I just want to say like, even though I'm obviously glorifying truth-telling, you know, there's obviously certain situations where you know, maybe you shouldn't like one, one, uh, one that I can think of is when I, when I was 19, uh, I got pulled over, I got pulled over for speeding a bunch of times, but one time I got pulled over, I actually spun off an icy road and, and a cop came and, you know, I had to get towed out. And, uh, so, so no one was there. Like I could have, you know, no one knew that I was speeding, but the cop asked me how fast were you going? And I don't know, I just felt I was just maybe very innocent, naive. And I was like, well, I don't want to lie. <laughs> so I basically told him I was speeding and he gave me a ticket. And he was kind of like, if you just told me you weren't speeding, we would have just towed you out and not giving you a ticket. But now I have to give you a ticket. So anyway, obviously, I, I don't, I'm not saying you should tell the truth in such a situation. But what is important is that if you're going to lie to avoid consequences, at least be honest with yourself. Because if you start to lie to yourself, that's where you start to lose your grip on reality. That's where you start to give up your agency of what you're experiencing. Because even if you're lying in a social situation, by simply admitting it to yourself, by, you know, maybe lies are coming out of your mouth, but you're like, well, you know what? I am lying here because I want this result, probably some short-term gain. Two things might happen. One, by being honest with yourself in that moment, you might realize it's not really worth it to lie. Like the short-term gain that you're going to get or the avoidance of a certain consequence really isn't worth it. It's not that big a deal. You might as well tell the truth and you'll feel a lot freer afterwards. And you won't internalize the shame that always comes when you lie to yourself. Because really what all of this is about, you know, the, the feel good core of this and why this matters so much to me is that when you deceive yourself and ultimately whether it's to de deceive other people or whatever, you are ruining your own internal relationship. That's a whole piece of Nietzschean nobility that I really care about. Again, like I don't care about telling the truth for some abstract moral reason uh, to get into heaven or that people will like you or whatever. The reason for all this Nietzsche nobility is that by telling the truth, you are improving your relationship with yourself. And, and most importantly, you are signaling to your own subconscious that your relationship to yourself is more important than the stuff on the outside. It's more important than uh, being liked by the mediocre masses. It's more important than getting the approval about some perceived or real authority figure. The most important thing is your relationship to self. And, you know, a lot of people speak about self-love and, you know, relationship with your higher self and all that stuff. Like, you know, to, to ground all that, to, you know, make it a little more real is that when you care more about your internal relationship than all of this external stuff, you're always at peace, right? The, the, the most creative you can ever be comes from this relationship. This is your source of inspiration, of ideas, of, um, of uh, solution finding, of things that you find interesting. This is what turns up the fidelity of your reality and makes things more interesting. And, you know, this is how I view things. Like, your relationship to yourself is the most important thing. And even if everything is taken away from you, 
if you have a really good relationship with yourself, you can rebuild all of it. That's why all of this truth telling is so important to me and why it's something that I'm trying to practice with higher and higher levels of precision personally. Thanks for watching, listening. If you want to sharpen your skill of truth telling with other guys who are doing the same and can reinforce this virtue in you, you might want to check out the Masculine Underground Mastermind. This is my men's group and book club uh, for thinking guys, for men of substance. Every month we have one men's group meeting where we speak about what's going on in our lives. It's an opportunity to get real and sharpen our verbal and mental swords. And also we have one book club a month where we read a uh, mind-expanding short reading. Uh, for instance, this month uh, we read The Inner Game of Tennis together, uh, spoke about it, analyzed it. Um, in other months, we're going to speak about things like philosophical topics like Nietzsche, uh, Plato, Camus, Bushido, Way of the Warrior, stuff like that. So if that's interesting to you, go to MasculineUnderground.com slash Mastermind. There's a bunch of bonuses you get by joining if you join now. So you can check that out at MasculineUnderground.com slash Mastermind. Thanks for watching, listening. Go tell some truth. Goodbye.